Hey gang, welcome to episode, uh, I forgot what episode number this is. Welcome to the latest episode, as of right now, of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. Now, if you're a regular, um, not, not viewer, if you're listening, you'd be a listener. If you're a regular to this show then you know that I always play the theme song live to tape. Well, I'm going to forego that, and I'm probably going to keep this episode short, because I feel kind of like crud right now. I got a, a tetanus vaccine shot less than two days ago, and it has wrecked me. I got it in my, my left deltoid. And man, it is so sore right now. And I have uh, kind of almost flu-like symptoms um, and just low energy. Yeah, flu-like symptoms. So I'm not feeling too hot. But I still wanted to finish up this uh, three-part trilogy of The Outsider. So this will be the final episode of this trilogy. But don't worry. There'll be more episodes after this is done, um, but I just want to bring this thing to a conclusion. It doesn't have to be perfect, it just needs to be done. There you go. That's some uh, project philosophy for you if, if you're into creating or working on things. It doesn't have to be perfect because it's impo- perfect is impossible. That's There's this quote from Salvador Dali, um, it goes something like, have no fear of perfection. You'll never achieve it. There you go. So don't worry about being perfect. Worry about just getting it done and being good. Make it good enough. Make it as good as you can. But don't get caught in trying to chase perfection. And that's something I have to tell myself a lot with stuff that I work on. Because I have perfectionist tendencies. And... um if you look for something wrong, you will always find something wrong. At some point, you have to let something go. It's like uh, giving birth. It's like having a child and rearing that child into a functioning young adult and, and, and letting them go, live their lives, and experience the world on their own. You have to do that with your own creative babies. Raise it as well as you can, but know when it's time to let it go and live its own life. Cool stuff, I think. All right, so before we get into it, as usual, let's take care of some quick business. First of all, I want to thank Josh and Wade. Thank you both so much. Those are my two patrons. Uh, they help support this show with their very, very generous donations on my Patreon account. If you would like to help support this show, you may do so also through my Patreon account, which you can find on the internet at patreon.com slash that thing with James patreon.com slash that thing with james wait what was that patreon.com slash that thing with james correct you can donate as little as one dollar a month or as much as fifteen thousand dollars per month or you don't have to do it every month you can just donate for one month and then sign off but it's a monthly donation set up yeah and if you want to do fifteen thousand dollars you know if you've got fuck you money or if you're poor with money management or if you just want to gamble on uh you, you know become a a, a a burgeoning artist's patron a, a struggling artist's patron uh you can do that at patreon.com slash that thing with james if you want to you know if you want to gamble on an artist coming up with some good work gamble on me i guarantee you'll get good results out of it uh, let's see what else. I have a website, jamesjasher.com. There uh, uh, you can find my blog on that website. If you go way, way back before I started this show, you can see some uh, samples of my writing, some stuff. You know, I, I, I've i talked about it before on this show, and I just, uh, I, I haven't read it. I haven't read it in like a year. But I just love the idea of this one 
uh, I guess I'd call it an essay that I wrote about the nature of nature. I'm not saying what the nature of nature is. I was just exploring because that's what essay means. Essays, I believe it's French for to try. And uh, I was trying to explore the idea of the nature of nature. And I wrote it while I was drunk on absinthe and watching this uh, sci-fi show called Altered Carbon. Um, so, yeah. And also, if you want to check out, like, my agent's contact information, if you've got, like, a, you want to, like, off, you know, maybe talk about hiring me for a project or something huh wink wink nudge nudge say no more actually do say more uh talk to my agent his contact information is on the contact page of my website which is jamesjasher.com or or if you want to contact me directly you can do that too at that thing with james at gmail.com i encourage anybody to send me an email if you just want to reach out and say hi uh, if you have a a suggestion or an idea for a subject to cover on the show like make a whole episode about it um, if you have um, questions that you would like me to answer on the show. Like if you are in need of advice, I am more than happy to answer those questions to the best of my ability on this show. Uh, so don't hesitate to reach out that thing with James at gmail.com. Or you could also probably hit me up if you slide into my DMs because I'm on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at James J. Asher. Uh, yeah, yeah, I make, um, you know, I'm going to say this in a humble manner. I make the best Insta stories, you know, the 24 hour things. I mean, it's, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to boast. They're just objectively better than everyone else's. And, uh, yeah, you can find those if you search my handle at James J. Asher. And if you're listening to this, and if you haven't done so already, please uh, subscribe to this show, rate and review. And if you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't done so already, please subscribe to my channel. Uh, select the little bell button next to where it says subscribe. Then you can get notifications for when I upload Dink! new videos. Also, uh, like the videos you like. And that meaning like hit the like button and uh, write a comment. And for all of you, share the show with your friends. Spread the love like butter on a croissant. Well, I think that's everything. Let's let's get on with the show. All right. Part three of The Outsider. When we left off, I, I got an apartment and I signed on with my first talent agent, um, who I left off saying wasn't that great. Let me unpack that. That's a, that's a phrase I learned in grad school. Could you unpack that for us? Uh, let me unpack that for you. At first, things were okay. I was, you know, getting I, I, I auditions, you know, maybe one once a week or every couple of weeks. Sometimes I'd get multiple auditions in a week. I might get jobs. If I got a job, uh, like hired for a, for a gig, um, the payment would come in within like two weeks of completing the gig. And uh, everything seemed hunky-dory. But over time, over time, I started getting fewer and fewer auditions. And, and the agent started becoming more and more difficult to get in contact with. One of the most difficult ways to get in contact with him was physically. You could no longer, I, I don't know when it happened, but it wasn't long after I signed on. The, the office that I visited him in, the office in which I, I betrayed my better judgment and the, the lesson that I got from, from 
my old teacher, Lloyd, when I cut a check of my own money for an agent, the office that I did that in, well, the office space existed, but my agent and his assistant no longer existed within that office. As a matter of fact, my agent was no longer in Austin nor in Texas at all. He was in Los Angeles, California. And there were a lot of rumors going around about the guy. One of the most prevalent rumors I heard was that he moved to Beverly Hills and tried to buy a very expensive house, but ran out of money, went bankrupt, and started couch surfing and was doing his agent job. Well, or I should say maybe not doing his agent job from people's couches crashing around LA. Now, I don't know about you, but I would expect an agent who first signed me on in Austin who who represents people solely in Austin to live in Austin. Well, that guy didn't. And apparently, I, I don't know if this is true, it was more rumor stuff that I heard, but supposedly an agent legally only had to reside in the the city in which they are representing talent that talent is what they call actors and models and dancers and singers and such the talent uh an agent only has to reside in the city in which he is representing talent for two weeks out of a year out of every year only two weeks so Apparently, that's what my agent was doing. He was only living in Austin for two weeks out of the year and then going back to Los Angeles and, I guess, crashing on couches and, um, I suspect, spending other people's money. See, over time, as I mentioned just a little bit ago, at first, my checks were coming in, you know, pretty quickly. But then they started coming in, you know, within two weeks. And then they started coming in uh, 30 days after the gig. And then they started coming in mm, a month and a half. And then they started not coming in at all. The checks for the work that I did. And that was very difficult for me because at the time that the money stopped coming in money that I had worked for money that I was owed. I was flat broke. So let's back up. I moved into the apartment at the edge and I needed to get a job and I had searched around for jobs before and not had any luck. But after I moved in, uh, you know, I, I went into the front office and I guess one of the leasing agents overheard that I was looking for a job. And she said, do you want my job? I actually just put in my two weeks notice yesterday. And um, I, you know, I can talk to the uh, managers, to the GM and see if she wants to hire you to replace me. And I said, yes, please. Thank you. And I thought, you know, this that's fucking fate right there. That's kismet. That's perfect. I needed a job and there it was. So I started like maybe a week later and I got some meager training, but things at the front office of the edge were a bit of a mess. I learned after having signed like W4s, W2s, whatever the fuck they're called. I learned that the edge was going, um, they were in a state of transition between management companies and things were a bit chaotic and chaotic is an absolute understatement for the way things were 
There were just papers everywhere. The only manager, there was no general manager. There wasn't even a regional manager. The only thing there, the only, the highest manager was one shift manager. And she worked every fucking shift because she was the only one. And she was such a bitch. I mean, a raging bitch. And I don't say that lightly. I extended olive branches. I fucking went to Greece. I went to the Middle East. I, you know, I went to the, to the olive orchard. I gathered a bunch of branches and I came back to the front office of the edge and I, man, I extended those so hard and she just slapped them away. Why? Cause she was a bitch and she was so much better than the job she had. Uh, uh, it's really no, it's not worth like belaboring just how she was a bitch, but just take my word for it. The lady was a bitch. If you couldn't tell, I've called her a bitch like half a dozen times now. So things were chaotic. I didn't even get trained. And then I got abandoned and would get screamed at by the uh, the shift manager because I didn't know what I was doing. And when I tried to explain, hey, I didn't even get fucking training. She just stormed off. Didn't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Uh-uh. And uh, it was like that for a couple weeks. And then finally, this dude came in. Uh, I don't remember his name, um, but he was a little bit older than me. I think he was like 30. Um, he had just gotten out of the military and he was in college studying computer sciences or computer science. And he was a fucking saint. He was nice to me. He listened to what I was going through and what the situation was like. And he's like, dude, this is unacceptable. And that woman, yeah, she is a bitch. So don't worry about her. Just let me train you and we can get this place ship shape. So me and that guy got that front office whipped up in ship shape, started hiring more people, started leasing apartments out to people. And one of the things that really did not sit well with me was the fact that there was in small print snuck right into the middle of a pretty thick leasing contract. There was an agreement saying that any presence of cockroaches or bed bugs, uh, the responsibility of an infestation of those two bugs uh, the responsibility did not fall upon the shoulders of the edge or any of its subsidiaries or its owners or its parents. So basically it's saying by signing this contract, you're signing away your right to get the apartment management to fucking take care of the bug infestation that they fucking knew every apartment in the whole complex had the whole complex of like 20 buildings every single one of them had bed bugs and cockroaches and management never talked about it and i brought it up because i'm a rebel and i'm honest and if i see an injustice i will fucking shout it from the hilltop and so i brought it up to the uh, to the management and another like shift manager came in. So there was like two shift managers, the bitch, and then a guy who was just like totally checked out. Uh, they just plugged their ears whenever I brought it up. And I talked to the, to the, um, you know, military guy who was helping me actually. Um, and he was like, yeah, I know about it. And I don't like it either. It's fucked up. They won't do anything about it. They won't listen. I've tried talking about it too. Yada, yada, yada. So that was a thing. And uh, we couldn't even mention this or even point it out when people were, you know, coming to the office to sign up for a lease. And um, that was just really tough to fucking know that there was some shysty business going on and knowing that there was nothing I could do about nothing I could do about it. Um, 
And so I just, I mean, I kept working. I, I would have quit, but, you know, I was just still getting set up and I was thinking, you know, maybe in no time I'll start getting enough acting work that I can just quit this because there seems to be enough commercials in, t in town and also there's like a couple TV shows that we're filming here at the time. And I was just like, all right, yeah, I'm going to start getting gigs in no time. I'm going to do a little bit of open mic, uh, stand-up comedy. I'll do some open mic guitar stuff, too, and just, you know, get out and meet people. And, you know, I won't need a day job in no time. And um, that just didn't, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. As a matter of fact, I ended up having to get a second job, which I'll get into after this quick break. I'm back. That break took way longer than I expected it to. Now, outside, it, the reason it took longer than I expected is because outside, some asshole decided to wait until 7 p.m. to start power washing. I don't know what, but they're out there fucking power washing. They started just as I started, it was like sat down to record this bit. Uh, and then I was like, okay, I'll just wait a little bit. Waited 15 minutes. Pfft, no, the power washing didn't stop. So then I played guitar for 30 minutes. Came back. No, power washing is still going on. So I was like, all right, I will make and eat dinner. So I made and ate dinner and cleaned the dishes and put them up. And you know what? It's been an hour now. It's 8 p.m. And that fucking power washer is still going. What asshole waits until this fucking late? Like, were they waiting until it cooled off a bit? Motherfucker. Do you not realize that you have to function on my time? I'm trying to record a fucking award-winning podcast here, okay? And you were fucking spraying for an hour on a Friday starting at 7 p.m.? Going on you know, longer than an hour now? the fuck is your problem? Who do you think you are? So if you can hear it in the background, which I hope you can't, I apologize. I'm going to try to edit it out if you can hear it, but if you, if you can still hear the in the background, I'm sorry. All right. So where were we? I got a job at the edge and I got a second job. So after, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I figured out, or, or, or maybe a month or so, I figured out like $30 every two weeks is not enough to live on. Uh, that's not enough money to pay my student loan bills, put gas in my car, and feed myself, and print headshots for auditions. I was fucking paying, uh, I, like I was losing money out of what I had left from my student loans. So I needed a second job, and one came my way in my time of need. It was a job that I applied for earlier when I was getting turned down by everybody. It was Starbucks, and they needed someone to come in because the holiday season was starting soon. It was going to be Thanksgiving pretty, pretty soon, in like a week. And um, so they hired me, and I worked. Thanksgiving, and I was also working at the front office. So I was doing those two jobs. I worked Thanksgiving. I worked uh, fucking what else? I worked on um, blah, blah. This fucking power, power washer is distracting me, and I'm already feeling under the weather. All right. All right. Come on, man. Get your shit together. Um, I worked on Christmas and Christmas Eve, and I got sick. I got real fucking sick because I was fatigued. I was working like more than 40 hours a week, two jobs. One was like an intense manual labor, Starbucks. I mean, it's not fucking construction, but you got to stand and move around. You got to get there at weird fucking hours. You have to like, I would clopen all the fucking time. I would close the store down at midnight, get home, you know, break everything down, clean, and then get home by around like 1 a.m. and then have to be back at 5 a.m. the next morning. And then as soon as I got done there, go back to the edge and clock in at the front office and work till they closed at like, I think, 7 
And then uh, I just did that over and over and I got really ill. And the general manager at my Starbucks, which by the way, I, I was always on, um, I didn't get any training there either. Starbucks, you're supposed to get two weeks of training. I got like three days and then they said, nope, it's holiday season. Good luck. Go get them, tiger. And they put me on the drive through So I had a drive through Starbucks on the side of a fucking highway um, just before like a little shopping area, strip mall kind of area. So there were people all the time. There was never a break. And, um, and I... I already have a hard time hearing, um, and I definitely could not hear people over that fucking, the one headphone on a crackly speaker and, uh, you know, all this noise in the background, the in-store noise. I couldn't hear anything. I always had to look at the other workers because everyone has to wear a headphone to, you know, cover because everyone does multiple jobs. And then when things slowed down, they tried to get me to like make drinks, but I didn't know how to make any of the fucking drinks. And they would just like roll their eyes at me and say, all right, fine, go back to the drive through. And then just kind of like silently, passively judge me for not knowing how to make all the fucking 101 sugary bullshit um, uh, McDonald's excuse for a coffee beverages. They're not even fucking coffee. It's just candy candy drinks at fucking starbucks i have not even been back to a starbucks since i quit uh, but i'm getting ahead of myself so i got ill and the gm at the starbucks was like yo i used to do two jobs too and it's tough you might think about giving one up i can give you some more hours here to help you cover your bills and stuff and i was like all right i think i need to do that and so I quit the front office. Thank God that place was hell. But just like a week or two before I quit, they got a new general manager, this middle-aged woman who used to be a trucker. And she was fucking awesome. I told her all the fucking drama that I went through with that place. And she was very understanding. And she genuinely wanted to look out for her, her employees and her, her colleagues and everything. And, um, she was just a good lady. I liked her. Um, and she sympathized with me. So I, so respect, I respect her because she respected others, you know, respect is a really big thing for me respect well so i was just working all the holidays i worked my birthday i worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and i had to like miss out on auditions because of working at starbucks because i couldn't get people to cover my shift or because i just had to work because i needed the money and i don't know if i was going to get hired for for a an acting job and um and this got me uh, really depressed. I got really depressed and really lonely. So I did something that I told myself years earlier I would never do. And that is online dating. I got onto OkCupid. I was so desperate and lonely for a personal and romantic life that I got on there. I needed something. I needed some kind of... Uh, intimate life, close life outside of my apartment because my uh, the Dallas kids, like their pregnant friend who was like 17 came down from Dallas. And then the, the kids also bought um, two teacup chihuahuas, chihuahua Aussies, teacup size. And they were cute. They were so cute, but they shit everywhere the dallas kids didn't train those dogs at all so they were constantly shitting all over the floor in the living room area and the dallas kids of course didn't fucking clean it up because they didn't clean up anything ever and i was still getting bit even though i was sleeping on a, a queen size double tall air mattress which was frankly really fucking comfortable um Everything else had bed bugs, like the couch and the carpet, everything. So I'd always get bed bug bites and have to like get cockroaches away and get grossed out by them. But something I learned interesting is that cockroaches and bed bugs don't get along. They fight each other. They try to avoid each other, but when they cross paths, they fight.
and the cockroaches win. So uh, there's some um, there's some bug science for you. Uh, so yeah, I got on OkCupid, and I got into a relationship. I mean, I got turned down a lot at first, and uh, eventually I found someone that I felt like I really vibed with, and we started hanging out. And, um, like it got pretty hot and heavy pretty quick. She even, she was like living out of her van and living on her friend's couch also after her van got towed from her friend's apartment's parking lot. And, um, so the girl like, we just like basically started dating automatically. And then she moved in with me two weeks after we met. Yeah. Two weeks and uh, she didn't have a job but she was cool and we had like a very passionate romance that at first i thought was very passionate and romantic but as the relationship went on um it it kind of clicked for me that oh this is not passion and romance this is mental illness i was dealing with mental illness and supporting her because she had needs and one of those was uh marijuana and she didn't have money to buy it but she fucking loved to smoke it and if she didn't she was a bigger bitch than the shift manager at the front office and um at the time i'm not saying that she is a bitch she's not but um the way she was behaving was if that makes sense and uh so yeah i was working all the time and then paying like uh paying for two people even though even though the money i was getting from starbucks uh the number of hours i was working constantly i still did not have enough to live on fortunately there was some kind of glitch in the system at the front office I don't know. Now, I, I make up some stories. I tell the truth on some stories. So I want to leave this open for um, poetic interpretation. But uh, just imagine. Let's say I had a fantasy. Yes. So I had this fantasy that uh, while all this upheaval was going on in the front office with like the uh the apartment shifting like owners like different corporations there was all sorts of stuff going down all sorts of drama that i wasn't even privy to i only saw the you know the surface of what was going on and there was a lot well i went in uh like the month after i quit there and i, I had a check cut to pay for my rent and uh well according to the computer I had already paid rent. My rent was already, you know, I was at a zero balance. And I said, are you sure? And they said, yeah. And so I said, I'm not so sure about that. Let me talk to the general manager. And she came out and she looked at the computer system and she's like, no, you're at a zero balance. You've, you've paid your rent. And I was like, you know, perhaps in this flight of fancy, I was like, are you sure I paid my rent? and perhaps in this flight of fancy she winked at me and she said system says you've paid you have a zero balance you're good to go so let's say you know perhaps if that would have happened i might have gone back every month to see uh if i didn't have a zero balance but every time i went back i did have a zero balance more kismet more luck perhaps which was really lucky because i just was not making enough money at starbucks even with if i weren't having to pay rent even that amount i still wasn't making like enough to live on it was barely enough to live on but i was racking it up and at a certain point i was like if i keep doing this i'm never going to get acting work because I keep missing opportunities because I'm working or I can't get someone to cover my shift. So um, I, I got to find a way out of this. Come Easter of 2013, I have to work that day. 
I've worked every fucking holiday. I've worked like six or seven days. I've worked no less than six days a week for a few months at this point. And I was having full-blown panic attacks before and after work. Um, I'd get severe heart, heart palpitations. I would cry. I'd feel trapped. I felt like the walls were closing in on me. And uh, I knew that it wasn't healthy. And my girlfriend, well, she was encouraging me to just quit and try to make the art work. She was like, you know, give yourself up to destiny. And so I did. That morning, you know, I was scheduled to go in at like 7 a.m. At 6, I had already been up for two hours having a full-blown panic attack the whole time. And finally, I was like, I'm going to do this. I texted my my uh, general manager at my news store, different guy than the the lady that hired me. I texted him and said, I'm sorry, but I can't come in. I can't do it. Please take my name off the schedule. And he texted me back and said, are you serious? And I said, yes, I'm sorry. I'm a hundred percent sure this is, I know this is an inconvenience for you, but I can't do it. I'm very sorry. And he texted back and he said, okay. And I quit. And, uh, so much pressure came off. I felt so much better. And my girlfriend suggested uh, we do something fun that she had been asking us to do for quite some time, but I frankly wasn't able to because of the work. And that was drive to this place called Port Aransas and just like spend the night. Just like go sleep on the beach or in the car or something. Just go spend the night there. And I said, you know what? Let's do that. So like we walked a couple blocks over to um, to the grocery store to get some provisions for the trip. And on the walk, on the ground, I found six dollars in quarters, six dollars and change, all in quarters, on the ground, six dollars exactly. And I was like, that's a fucking sign. That has got to be a sign. And also, as soon as I found them, I saw fucking parrots on the power line above us. Like six parrots hanging out, bright green with like orange beaks, parrots, like smaller parrots. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? This truly is destiny. I should have this I, I should have quit. I was supposed to quit. So we got provisions and we got in my car and we got like a little nugget of weed, like a less than a gram. And uh, we get in the car and we start driving to Port Aransas. We go south on I-35, go straight down to San Antonio and just keep going straight on I-35 straight through. I, 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 I looked up the map before we left and I was like, yeah, this is a fucking easy drive. Just go straight. We drove through San Antonio, kept driving, kept driving, kept driving. And after some time, the ground got sort of flat and dirt. It was just like dirt and sand. And it was all like just bright red, orange, uh, burnt orange dirt and tall cacti. And I was like, this doesn't look like the beach or anywhere near the coast at all. And my girlfriend was like, yeah, I don't, I think maybe we missed an exit or something. And I said, maybe. And just then we saw a sign that said, welcome to Laredo. In case you don't know, Laredo is a Texas town right on the border of Mexico. And uh, we drove through a um, unoccupied checkpoint 
and got into Laredo and stopped at a McDonald's to get some food and uh, look at my uh, map app on my phone and see where we went wrong. Indeed, I did miss a single exit in San Antonio. I was supposed to exit east instead of keep going south. I thought maybe the road I was on was eventually going to, you know, start going east to the to the Gulf. But no, it went south to the border. And uh, and it was either from where we were from Laredo, it was either going to be a four hour drive back to Austin or a four hour drive to Port Aransas. And we looked up at the sky, trying to figure out which way to go. And off in the distance in the north, heading south pretty quickly, we saw nothing but thunderheads. And we decided maybe we should go to Port Aransas another time. I think we should just go home right now. And so we did. We got back in the car and we drove uh, north out of, we got past Laredo um, and, you know, past the welcome sign. And then uh, another mile up, there was another checkpoint structure. And I was like, I wonder if this one's unoccupied too. And I squinted my eyes and I saw little ant-like people milling about. Oh shit. No, there's people working. Um, do you still have that cannabis? And she was like, yeah. And I said, we need to do something with it. And she was like, well, do what? I was like, um, you could throw it out the window, but do it on the sly. So like, they don't see it off in the distance. And she was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw the weed out the window. I want to keep it. I was like, well, um, they might want to keep it too and keep us in jail. So maybe eat the weed? And she said, I'm not going to eat the weed. And I said, okay, then. Um, and I looked at her crotch and she said, I'm not putting the weed in my pussy. And I said, all right, well, um, we better do something. Do we have a Ziploc bag? Indeed, we did. We had a Ziploc bag. So... <laughs> We, uh, with a bunch of like other stuff in it. So we stuffed the, um, uh, the little bud wrapped in cellophane, stuffed it with a bunch of other stuff in a, uh, Ziploc bag, squeezed all the air out of it, wrapped it up tight, and then wrapped it up in like three different towels really tight and stuffed it down into her bag and put a bunch of other stuff on top of it. And we get up to the checkpoint, hearts pounding. And, um, and uh, we stop, and there's a fucking drug dog right there. And I, I roll my window down, and there's there's one Border Patrol guy. He looks, like, not happy to be working on Easter. But he's like, um, license, please. So I show him my license. Meanwhile, another Border officer is walking the canine around the right side of the car and my asshole is clenched so tight I could turn jelly into diamonds. And, um, you know, the dog sniffs around, sniff, 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 and then keeps walking. They walk to the car right behind us and keep sniffing. We got through. And the guy who took my card hands it back and says, Happy Easter. I hope you have a good day. And I said, you too. And we rolled the windows up. We drove in complete silence until the the checkpoint was out of sight. And then we just started screaming and laughing our heads off. Uh, so that was a very close call. And uh, I had no job. Let me Let me see what time I'm at now. Hold on. I need to take another quick break. I'll be right back, okay? This motherfucker is still power washing outside. Like, dude, it is fucking dark out there. Like, there's no sun anymore. The fuck are you doing, man? Whatever. Whatever you're doing, you should be fucking done by now. I know what it's like to power wash shit. It doesn't take that long. And you're in the fucking dark. How do you see what you're doing? You know, you know like, it's going to be dirty still. What the fuck are you doing, man? Anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't have a job, and it was kind of nerve-wracking, but also kind of great. 
Uh, my girlfriend and I just started like writing stuff, writing down ideas for a job, for a show. And uh, she also got me in contact with a friend of hers, an old coworker of hers from her last job. And uh, he was looking for someone with theater experience to be in and help like add theatrics to his band uh, the the group was called the blue dogs and they were basically like a tom waits tribute band and um that was a fucking trip that guy i i you know i met with him at he, he was living uh on the couch in his ex-wife's apartment uh with their kid but they were split. They were like divorced, but he was living on their couch, I guess, in between jobs. But he was the leader of this group. It was like a seven piece, not including me, seven piece group. They had like trombone, guitar, bass, um, female lead singer. Um, and, uh, and then me, I, I met with the guy first. I met with him on a Saturday and he just asked me about my theater experience so i told him like dude i've i can fuck i've done it all because that's what you learn in a theater program is everything and he said that's great um you have any ideas off the top of your head here's what i'm thinking yada 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 can you help me with this and i said yeah sure and he said great i want you to come to we've we've got a show this coming friday i want you to come to our practice on wednesday so he gave me an address wednesday comes I, it's nighttime. I go to the address. It's some person's house. I walk in. The band is playing. And everyone looks at me like, who the fuck is this? And the guy, the band leader, um, introduces me. He hadn't told anyone else in the band that he was adding me, nor that he wanted to add some type of theatrics to the show. So I just showed up. They don't fucking know me from Adam. And, uh, you know, they, the guy's like, hey, we're going to keep practicing for another 30 minutes. Just hang out on the couch. And so I sat on the couch and listened to them practice. And once that was done, um, no one wanted to fucking talk to me because I was an outsider. Wink. Get it? An outsider there's the theme again uh, but the band leader talks to me and he's like telling me his ideas and yada yada and he's like no it's gonna be great and i was like he said I, i've got this uh handheld spotlight i want you to use to like spotlight us and i've also got a cowbell and i've also have a section of chain link fence that i'm going to use like a like a urban washboard so instead of the like a washboard kind of a thing um i was going to play with some you know hard wooden mallets on a section on like a four by four section of chain link fence and uh and it was going to be great and i was like am how how do i know when to do anything and he's like i i will signal you during the show so just you know look alive and i said all right cool man let's do it friday comes we're at the spider house um if you live in austin then you know about the spider house probably we were at the spider house it was my first time not at the cafe but at the um the stage there pretty cool looking venue they've got like a you know velvet drape i mean um curtain or whatever and uh and i'm stoked for the show and a little nervous and the band is like just getting ripped before the show we're doing shots passing joints around and just ripped and i was trying to talk to the um to the leader and I was like, hey, um, you sure I've got this? And he said, yeah, 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 you're going to do fine, man. You're going to be great. Um, and his eyes were as red as the devil. And the show started. And, um, well, it didn't go well. 
I was there. I was at the side of the stage. Um, pretty, pretty fucking drunk. And I was watching. I was aware. And I, I took the direction. I mean, I, I fucking was in it. I played that chain link fence. I played the cowbell along with the, the music and everything. And then for the finale, for like the last song, which was about like 10 minutes, their only original song, he wanted me to spotlight the, the group. And um, so I, I grabbed the handheld spotlight out of the bag and I start shining the... Uh, I'm on stage shining the band and he's like trying to yell at me, but I can't hear anything because the crowd's yelling and everything and uh, like having fun yelling and the band is playing loud and he's like, go into the crowd and spotlight us into the crowd and spotlight us. So I go into the crowd and try to spotlight them. But as I'm walking down the stairs on the side of the stage, which leads right onto the floor, I like trip over someone's foot I land on the on the fucking rum splattered floor, and so does the handheld spotlight. The back of it pops open, and the uh like four D batteries spring load jump out of the back of that fucking thing and scatter across the floor. And I'm like, the song is still going on and I'm just like trying, scrambling around, trying to get these fucking um, batteries off the ground and gather them. But then the show's at the show ends and I haven't found any of the batteries and uh, the crowd quickly clears out. The only one left is the band who's packing their stuff up on stage and uh, me uh, gathering the batteries and the band leader's ex-wife helping me because she was in the audience. Meanwhile, the band members are breaking their stuff down. They're yelling at me. I'm fucking blind. What the fuck is wrong with you i couldn't see shit i you fucking blinded me man and i was like i'm following direction and the band leader was just totally fucking oblivious he was like going to get another fucking drink already and i just uh i hung out for a minute and sat by myself just totally uh buzzed out basically just like um you know if you ever have performed, especially music, then you know what I mean, where it's just like you've got the performance high and just afterwards you're just kind of um, your brain's very quiet um, and your body is just like buzzing. So I had that going on and I looked down at my shirt and it's um, got blood splatters down the front because I and then I look at my hands. I busted my knuckles on the chain link fence. So I was like, you know what, even though I got yelled at. Uh, and, and fucking tripped and and fucked up the spotlight thing I think I, I had fun this was a highlight of my life and it was, I had fun I always wanted to be in a band way before I even thought about acting I wanted to be in a band I wanted to do music, man I still do I ought to, I ought to do it but um, I just need to get around to going out by myself um, cause I don't, I don't want to have to fuck around with getting a group together. Cause that clearly is not my forte. I'm, I've, I'm always the outsider somehow, except, you know, with some people, but when it comes to like getting groups together or anything, I'm always a fucking outsider. Um, and that's not to say I don't have friends and people I get along with. Great. I do. But generally, if there's a group, I'm hardly ever part of it. I think that's just um, my destiny is to be kind of on the fringe. And I'm still learning how to own that and how to make it work for me. Anyway, um, I go to a CVS after the show, get myself some candy to take home. Uh, I, I see myself in the mirror. I just look. I've got fucking shadows under my eyes. My eyes are shot red. I've got blood on my shirt, sweat. And I was wearing a, you know, we all have to dress Tom Waits style. So I was wearing like, uh, I was wearing my 
black suede jacket with a white button-up and a black tie, black pants, and, and black leather boots, and a hat, kind of like the one I'm wearing. If you're watching, you can see it. If you're listening, you can't. Duh. And I was like, you know, I look so fucking cool right now, and I feel so fucking cool. This is definitely a highlight. So that was a good time. Um, yeah, and, and then I started getting some gigs. I started getting acting gigs. I started going to auditions. Um, and then in between those, because I needed money, I started doing background work as an extra on other gigs. And um, I, I got the money in from the, uh, the background work because that didn't go through my agent. I just did that on my own and had them send me the check. But the gigs I was getting through my agency, through the auditions, through my agent who didn't even live in Austin anymore... I wasn't getting paid for them. Um, and if I did, I had to wait a while. Oh, by the way, I totally forgot, but my roommates were all gone by this point. By Easter, they all their leases had ended. The Kiwi, the Dallas Kids, the Teenage Pregnancy, the Teacup Chihuahua shit machines, they'd all moved out by Easter. So it was just me and my girlfriend, which was such a relief. We like fucking steamed the apartment as much as we could. And I think we did a pretty good job of getting rid of the bed bugs because we didn't get bites from them anymore. Um, so, so yeah, they were gone and, uh, you know, I was getting some work, but I wasn't, you know, I was having to wait longer and longer and longer to get paid. And then finally, by one point, my girlfriend and I, we were fucking, we didn't have enough money to even buy cheap pasta for two weeks. We didn't have money. I had to, um, you know, eat humble pie and ask my sister to bail me out. And thank God she did bail me out. She gave me money and said, no strings attached. Don't even think about trying to pay me back. This is me. This is my love for you. I don't want you going hungry. And, you know, I talked to my brother on the phone about it. I talked to my parents and they're like, he does not sound like the best relationship. You might think about dumping her. And I was like, you know, I have been thinking about that a lot lately because things had not been going well between us, but that's a whole other long, long story. Um, and, but I talked to my brother and I told him everything that had been going on. And he's like, dude, that sucks. And the chick I just got out of relationship, it sounds very similar to what I was in. And uh, I encourage you to get out. And also, you're, you shouldn't be sleeping on a fucking air mattress, man. Let me buy you a memory foam mattress. My brother said that. And I said, I, I am so grateful and so thankful for that. And I appreciate it. And I do want that. But... I prefer to wait until I move into another place because this place has bed bugs. And he said, good point. Um, let me know when you're moving to a new place. Because, you know, by well into the summer, um, I'd already been sort of like going behind my girlfriend's back and coordinating with a friend of mine from Oklahoma, uh, Bennett who's been on this show, I was coordinating with Bennett because he was going to be moving to town and we're good buddies. And we're like, let's, let's live together. Cause I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get away from this situation, Bennett. And you need a roommate and I'm going to need a roommate and I, I love you. I think we'll get along great. And, uh, so he was like, yeah, let's do that. So we were working around behind my girlfriend's back. Meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out how to fucking get out of the situation. I'm trying to get her to get a job and everything she gets a job and man it didn't keep it for very long and um if she's watching or listening to this please know that i'm not trying to slight you in any way whatsoever we did have good times i just um i'm trying to share this story and you know tell my side of the story and uh yeah i'm not trying to hurt any feelings and like i said before she's not a bad person at all she's not a bad person at all um we were both just at very uh um tumultuous times in our lives and we both had a lot going on and those issues didn't really mix uh well together so 
if you're listening or watching, please don't hate me for telling this story. And maybe I'm off, but I'm just trying to tell from my 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 end of the story. Um, I'm sure I was a I, I I know for a fact that I've got my faults too. I know. Uh, you know, I was impatient, unavailable to a certain extent. Um, but I also had my reasons for being that way as well. So anyway, yeah, that, uh, that stuff all happened. Um, and eventually it got to the point where, uh, I had no money. I, I moved out. I moved in with Bennett. By this point, I was out of money again and was, went hungry for like another week and a half. Um, but I, I couldn't bring myself to ask anyone for help. So I just kind of, um, hoarded snacks and like went around to parking lots and picked up change and bought snacks and tried to live off that, um, and try to not be a burden on anybody. And, uh, and through all this time, I, I would not have gone hungry if I had been paid on time. Um, because I had a fat check. I had a $3,500 check waiting for me from a monk fruit commercial that I had not received. So like I mentioned in the last episode, it's like 90 days is the latest you're supposed to get paid. It was right at 90 days that I got paid. And oh, and also there was a stipulation in my, my agent contract saying that, um, if you you are not allowed to ask where your money is during the first 60 days which is fucking bullshit it's fucking bullshit my current my current contract doesn't say anything of the sort no way so i suspected the whole time that my agent was keeping other people's money because i was asking around to my friends in my agency and outside my agency. The people outside my agency that were in the jobs that I was in, they got paid like two weeks after the gig. The people in my agency, everyone was looking for their money. The fucking agent was spending all of our fucking money and then trying to make it back and then pay uh, uh, what we were owed on uh, like within 90 days. So he was just off spending our fucking money with barely the intention to pay us for the work that we did. Um, I eventually dropped him years after. And, uh, you know, I went a year without any uh, coverage. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not feeling too great. This fucking tetanus shot's got me feeling loopy. And it's almost an hour. I gotta wrap this show up. So I I set out, I you know, perfection. At the beginning of this episode, I talked about perfection and uh and how you shouldn't worry about it because you're never gonna get it. And what you should be concerned about is finishing. And so I think I've pretty well finished what I was trying to say. You know, I set out to talk about my start here in Austin and um, somehow link it together with uh, this concept, this this feeling I have of being, being sort of alien, being an outsider, being kind of on the fringe. I felt feel like that my whole life. And there are definitely many outstanding moments in my life that uh, kind of confirm that feeling. That's It's not just I'm being overly sensitive and making things up. It's like, no shit happens. That pretty well confirms like, you don't know me. You don't like me. You don't want me around, but I don't fucking care because I'm not here for you. This is me talking to the people, you know, people in clicks because I've tried to get in to different, uh, you know, groups here and I, maybe it's just Austin. Maybe it's just a South thing because it was pretty prevalent in Oklahoma. But whenever I go to like a, an actual city, Chicago, New York, an actual city, or, or, or even just um, talk to people from 
more metropolitan, more uh, cosmopolitan type areas, type cultures, um, I often find we click a lot quicker than I do with people who are like from Texas or Oklahoma. Now, I, I do click with people from Texas and Oklahoma, but not quite as many. It's not as often and it's not as quick and it doesn't run as long and as deep as it does with like uh, North and East Coast people. I've just, I guess I get along with those people from those areas a lot more naturally. Um, I guess I don't seem like a kind of anomaly to them. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe it's a Texas thing. Maybe if I moved to an actual city, I wouldn't have this feeling of like always being an outsider. Or maybe I would. Maybe, maybe I'd find another group of outsiders or a group of people who cherish and want outsiders. People who want fringe in their lives, who see the value in it. Um, so, yeah. I've been thinking about leaving this city, man, for quite a while. I just want to know how to do it without falling on my face and having to start from scratch all over again and starve again and get bit by bedbugs again. Anyway, if you feel like an outsider, if you feel fringe, if you feel strange, if you feel alien, you're not alone. Cherish that. That's the thing that makes you unique. It's the thing that makes you special. Never get rid of it. Cherish it. Make it your friend. Peace.